Are we doing this? Really? Wait for it. Are we doing this? Wait for it. Ow! What the fuck? WTF. And it's also, eh, what the fuck? What's wrong with me? It's time for WTF. What the fuck? With Mark Marin. All right, are we doing this? Let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucking knots? Whatever the fuck you want to call yourselves. Welcome to the show. I am Mark Marin. This is WTF. Or, as we call it, what the fuck with Mark Marin? I am him. Hope everyone is well. I am okay. Feeling a little ill. Feeling a little under the weather. Feeling that nag, that fluey, buggy nag that's sort of like right at the heart of my being. There's a sort of like, hey, how's it going? I'm just going to tug on your spirit for a little while. Just a light viral tug on your spirit that will confuse and baffle you for a few days and make you wonder whether or not you're really going to get sick. How's that feel? Pretty annoying, right? When is it going to go away? I don't know. Well, I don't know either, but I'm sure that coffee doesn't help. Pow! I think I just shit my pants, but it's unclear whether or not that's uh, me getting sick or the coffee. That's justcoffee.coop, available at justcoffee.coop or at wtfpod.com. And also, I got this going. Hold on. This is inappropriate, but it is apple season. Can you hear that? I got a big mouthful of apple. Sorry. Hold on. Let's get through this together. I didn't mean to do that. Sorry. I fucking love apples, like really crisp, slightly tart apples that pop when you bite them. The honey crisp apple, how is that not the greatest invention ever? Where did that come from? Why was I denied a honey crisp apple for most of my life? Do they just make up new apple versions? They do, right? That honey crisp apple is the fucking best. And then I found this one at Whole Foods, which I don't, I do not, uh, I'm not supporting you shopping there, but if you have to, I had to get some oregano oil because I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. So oregano oil makes me less afraid and makes me feel like I'm doing something proactive not to get sick along with sleeping and drinking lots of fluids and you know soup and all that other shit that probably doesn't work. But I've decided that oregano oil works. And I picked up some of these apples, which I have not seen in years. This is the Arkansas Black Apple. I only saw them once before, like many years ago at Whole Foods, and they have a lot of pop to them, a lot of crisp, and they're sweet, and they're kind of leathery which I don't love, but I, I think they're special. Where, where are they hiding these different apple kinds? All right, let's get into the show a little bit, can we? I know I'm, I'm a little hyper now because I'm, I'm fighting sickness. But uh, today on the show, we got Mike DiStefano. Mike DiStefano, I've known for years. I mean, I've known of him and I've met him many, you know, over the years, over and over again. You know, he's really come into himself as a comic. He's a deeply interesting dude. Comes from a world that I could not begin to understand, that being the Bronx, and uh, and he's got some things to disclose and some things to talk about. He's got a very dark but very beautiful story, and I can't wait to 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 he- let you hear hear the chat I had with him down in Florida. We actually had the chat at a drug rehab because he knew a buddy who ran this place, and it was the only place we could find between my mother's house and where he was staying that we could get an empty, quiet space. So uh, so that added a whole different element to the uh, to the show. But but I think you're going to be sort of blown. Uh, not blown, blown. I, I think your mind is going to be a little blown when you hear me and Mike talk. And, you know, obviously here on WTF, we don't shy away from topics. You know, we've talked about addiction at length, about drug use. Uh, we've talked about those struggles. And obviously, look, I don't proselytize. I don't judge. I'm not above anybody. You know, if you like to use drugs, knock yourself out. If you like to drink, knock yourself out. No one can tell you you have a problem or plenty of people can tell you, but you may not believe them until you believe them. You got to believe it for yourself. Only you can judge. 
your level of unmanageability and whether or not it's a problem. And only you can decide, you know, how you're going to deal with that monster. You know how I've dealt with it. Now, again, do what you got to do. But I'll tell you, sometimes you talk to people that have been through some shit and whatever minor problems I'm having, like I don't feel well, I feel a little under the weather and I'm whining about it. Then I get an email from a guy who's paralyzed. He says, I'm sorry you're sick, but obviously. And then there's always that, yeah, he's obviously in a different situation than I am. And it makes me, I guess, count my blessings or be grateful or or put my personal discomfort into perspective. But sometimes I don't know, like, hey, look, there's always someone worse off than you. How is that different than schadenfreude? How is that different than saying, ah, look at that guy, glad I'm not him. It's just a different tone. There's empathy involved. There's no difference between saying like, oh my God, you know, I, I shouldn't complain. There's always people worse off than me. And like, look at that guy. The only difference is empathy. It's roughly the same sort of equation. But that aside, uh, the conversation with Mike was very revealing uh, in a way that I've not really dealt with uh, on this show. And and I'll let you guys listen to it and enjoy that. There's a couple of things that I have to do before we get into that. One is call my father, who I haven't spoken to since Thanksgiving. I don't know how his holidays went. So let's uh, let me try to get my dad on the phone and get that out of the way uh, before we talk to Mike DiStefano. Let's just give him a call. Please enjoy the music while your party is reached. Oh, come on. You can hear that? Hello. Hey, Dad, it's Mark. Uh, Dad? I got the wrong number? Probably I, not I'm you, not as old as you. You don't have any kids? Uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought that was a weird musical choice for my dad. I apologize. Yeah. Bye. Hey, Rosie, it's Mark. Hi, Mark. How are you? Good. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, happy Thanksgiving to you. How was it? It was good. Yeah. A lot of food. You know, too much food, but... Too much? <laughs> a lot, a lot of food, but, you know. It was, a good, it was good, though, right? Yes. Yes, it was. What are you guys doing? I'm searching for something that your dad can't find, and I'm furious with him because I'm always on a search. Yeah, what is it today? His um, little... Uh, the things that for the computer, you know, he has a little pouch for him. Uh-huh. A pa- Can't find him, so he. I had to rush from church, and I'm oh. on a search for him, as usual. Oh, Jesus. What? So he's, I can't find it. Get him. And yelling, and, so, and then I get pains in my stomach, and I'm... Ugh. So I'm on a search. All right. Well, where is he? He's at, we're at the office. And you're at home searching for a pouch. Yes. A pouch. Yes, a little red pouch that he misplaced again. Oh, and what goes in there? Uh, you know, the little computer, um, those little, whatever you call them, chips, whatever you ha- he uses for his computer, for his laptop. A hard drive? Uh, yeah, what, those little, whatever they are. And there's a bunch of, you know, quite a few of them. And we, he misplaced them the other day and thanked me because I finally found him, and now he misplaced them again. And then I get pains in my stomach, and I've got to stop. Ugh, I, yeah, I, oh. ugh, all right. Well, all right. Well, I'm sorry you're going through that. But I uh, hopefully I'll find it, and I've got to look for it and find it and take it to him to the office. I hope. All right. I well, find him. Oh, I'm sorry. Why? Well, it's okay. You, you've got uh, you've got quite a burden to deal with. Yeah, I know. <laughs> all right. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Thanks. Bye. 
is Dr. Marin. Please leave a message. Thank you. Hey, Dad, it's Mark. I'm calling you. Uh, I just spoke to Rosie. I don't uh, I don't have any idea where the red pouch is. Uh, I don't have it here in California, so I, I can't help you with that search. Um, all right, well, I'll, I'll try you on your work phone because I know this is a big crisis. Hello. Hey. Hey, man. How you doing, buddy? Doing great. Yeah, you, you're going to... What's this thing that you lost that Rosie's looking for? I, I carry my uh, thumb, thumb drives in it. Where are you, at work? Uh, I'm just sitting here. You talked to Craig, huh? That must have been quite an event. He asked me for your phone number. I said, what the fuck is happening? And uh, <laughs> what happened with that? Well, I made him an offer that he's... I mean, I need somebody to take on this business and move it as a businessman. I'll work for him. Here, Craig, here's all the business. Here's what, here's what needs to be done. Here's the four cities I want to see it done in, in the next 24 months. I just want somebody to do it. He, he's capable of doing that. This Very is a lucrative business, eventually. The pain management business. Basically, we don't have enough people to run it. All right, so you want... Now, I guess, like, maybe... So I'm just trying to, to feel this out. So you think Craig is a little... Um, a little reticent uh, to get into business with his father, who claims that he will work for him. You know, after after years of, yeah. of watching your father, you know, scramble through a series of bad investments and uh, money losing enterprises, and on top of the tension of a lifetime of that relationship, and you can't you can't understand why he might be a little resistant to doing that. Yeah, but it's yeah, but it's something he could, he could ease into. He could just come over here and work a week, and then uh, you know, get things set up, and think about it, go home and write up write up a business plan. Somebody's got to write up a business plan. But have you forgotten that you guys can't sit in a room together for more than two hours? I can't even imagine. Yeah, after that first meeting, <laughs> you know what would what would transpire? I'm trying to picture the meeting where you two are sitting there trying to put a business together. Oh, Christ. <laughs> that would last about forty five minutes. Yeah, uh, you know, there's some truth to what you say, but I think it's, I could think it could be fine. I mean, he's a yeah, just cuckoo. All right, well, you know, I'll call him up and I'll and I'll see. Uh, I'll ask him, uh, you know, about you know what, just what his resistance is to to getting into business as your boss. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm moving forward on the concept because I need somebody now to do this to get to start getting this set up. All right, well, it sounds uh, sounds good. Sounds like you got a lot going on. I'll talk to you. That's... Love you. Stay well. All right, Dad. Love you too. Bye. Hello. Hey. Hey, man. Back in back in LA. Yeah. You. Uh, you all right? Yeah. Sounds like you got a good business opportunity in Albuquerque. <laughs> exactly. What the hell is that about? Um, I called him to uh, ask what type of vitamins he's on and what type of vitamins uh, you know maybe I should take. The vitamins. And the next, right. I called about vitamins, and the next thing you know, you know, he's asking what I'm doing, and now. I'm, I'm running his company. And he sent me a long email, says, hey, you really should think about this. And I tried to be real polite about it when I was talking to him. I said, hey, Dad, it sounds great. Glad you're excited about it. And I thought, it's not going to work for me. It's not like something you can just jump over and do in Albuquerque when I got a family here. You know, I was trying to take rational, you know, rational reasons why I can't do this. Without, yeah. You know? Yeah. He's like, He's like, uh, no, you can probably come over here three times a week. And, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. You know, it's your type of business, mine. And I go, Dad, I go, hey, it just doesn't, you know, a family here. I can't just get up and go, and it just, no matter what I said, it didn't matter. So, But he said that, you know, he would work for you. I mean, that's got to be great. I mean, when he told me about it, I was just trying to picture the 
the first meeting. <laughs> now, how does how does that play out? Where he lays out his ideas, you look at it for five minutes and go, "You fucked up our whole family." Fuck, <laughs> <laughs> it, it was crazy. So anyway, so I try to leave the phone call and not get upset and not get engaged in it. I don't want to. I don't want to start by saying something, you know, like that. I don't want to do it, you know, because that would have been my go fuck you. I, you know what I mean? I just didn't want to. I don't know quite sure how to handle it. So I just. So I let, I let me let fine. me understand. You're not going to take the job. Not this particular job, no. Uh, I'm going to yeah. pass up on this opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. Well, I just wanted to check in. I love you, man. Okay. I, I love you. I love you, too. Bye. This is Dr. Marin. Please leave a message. Thank you. Hey, Dad, Mark. Uh, shit. Uh, happy birthday yesterday. Fuck. Uh, I don't... I'm sorry I missed it. I just... Um, I didn't remember. I guess you really didn't have that much impact on my life. I, you know, it's kind of your fault. I should have, uh, you know, it's your fault that I didn't remember. That's what I'm saying. All right, but I love you, and uh, maybe next year. Am I right? Oh fuck! I better call you. You're gonna misunderstand this message. Hello. Hey, Dad. Hey, do man. Hey, sorry. Hey, happy birthday. I'm sorry I forgot. I just uh, I didn't seem to give a shit. So how was uh, your birthday? Oh, I had a great time. It yeah. was it was a super party. They really surprised me. I can't believe that Sur- I was that distracted with my life that I didn't realize what was going on. You got a surprise party? You were surprised that you were so self-involved that you couldn't really figure out that, that way they were plotting a surprise party? <laughs> I guess so. Did you hear the good news, Dad? I don't know if you read in the New York Times, but narcissistic personality disorder is no longer going to be listed in the DSM. You're a free man. They took off uh, narcissistic personality disorder, histrionic personality disorder, paranoid uh, personality disorder, uh, schizoid personality disorder, and dependency uh, personality disorder. So you're, you know, you've got three out of five at least. So now you're just, you're just uh, a, a few symptoms that are not necessarily connected to any broader diagnosis. So you're a free man. I appreciate that. Maybe you can go get your old job back at the hospital. Right, right. That's right. <laughs> So wait, tell me how many people showed up. I'm sur- I would just want to know how many people felt guilty and, and had to pretend that they were your friend. There was over 100 people there. Well, that's great. 100 people. So you were driving over there probably yelling at your wife about something. <laughs> Am I right? No. No, it was just because I was sort of, I was sort of, you know, above. I didn't, I wasn't even thinking. I said, you know, she said, we're going out for dinner. I said, okay. You know, I just went along. I didn't even realize it was early in the afternoon. I said, she says, pick me up at five. I said, what for? I said, yeah, it will be early. You know, we'll go out for early dinner. That was how it went, man. I just we just pulled up. I walked in. There it was. Holy shit! That's great, Dad. So, did you ever find that little hard drive thing, or what? Yeah, I found it. Where was that? It's in my pocket. <laughs> it was in my it was in my shirt pocket. I had the jacket and the sweater on. I never felt up there, so it just got lost. It was fascinating. You made your wife come home from church to find a thing. You upset her, and it was yep. it was in your pocket when I talked to you. It was. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, man. Appreciate right. the call. I love Take you. Care. Bye. I love you. Bye. I'm in the, I'm in, what are we in, North, South Florida? What are we? We're in Delray Beach. Yeah. Delray, Delray Beach, Florida. I had to, uh, I had to go uh, track Mike DiStefano down wherever I could find him. I happen to have family down here, and we decided to meet halfway between where my mother lives in Hollywood, Florida, and where he's staying, and where are you, in Boca or Palm yeah, Beach? West, West Palm, Palm Beach, yeah. 
So we decided on Delray Beach uh, at a place of Mike's choosing, which is a rehab facility. That's right. That uh, it is a, uh, what, what do you call this? It's, a, it's, a, um, it's like a halfway house, right? It's yeah, resident. It's, yeah, it's a halfway house mostly for uh, drug addicts, people. <laughs> I don't know. So we walked in. I got free recovery coffee. There was donuts there. There's plenty of people smoking a lot outside. It's very familiar to me. I feel that by the end of this, it will feel as though I had a meeting, which I'm not getting to. Exactly. Are you, is it, what is that, gum you're chewing? No, this is nicotine lozenges, but don't tell my listeners because I quit them. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah Voss, like, Voss has been chewing Nicorette, Nicorette gum for 20 years. I've been, I've been on these for on and off for a while, and it's... I yeah, Whatever. It's the addiction. I can't, you know, I can't fucking shake certain shit. Right. We're not going to be perfect, man. We're lucky we're not smoking crack and shooting heroin or whatever we did, you know? Well, I mean, I think the first time I actually saw you was probably eight or nine years ago at Al Martin's Club, Boca Nuts. Yeah. When, uh, what was her name? Linda? Linda Cork, yeah. Linda yeah. Cork was running the place. And, you know, quite honestly, I, I found you to be a little, uh, a little uh, scary to me. You're a little weird. You were a little sweaty. You were a little shifty. You were yeah. nervous. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you were doing your jokes. Yeah. But I sense there was something. Uh, I sense there was something awry in there. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that was a while ago. Uh, when did you start? Eight years ago. I just started about ten years ago. Like just dabbling. So I mean, when you saw me when we met, I was really just starting out. That was one of my first. Um, feature sets, I would imagine, like doing having to do twenty minutes right. of material, right? You know, and uh, you know, I had just when I started comedy, I, my life was a fucking nightmare at that time. It was you started just, down here, yeah. I started in Florida. You know, why were you down? Where are you from originally? I'm from the Bronx, New York. You know, and yeah. uh, that's where I grew up. And you know, I had a, a crazy childhood, like, you know, a lot of people. And but, all like, that. what does that mean? I mean, the Bronx, because yeah. people's picture of the Bronx is burned out houses. You know, it's a fucking crazy. I mean, I don't have a sense of the Bronx. I lived in an Italian area in the Bronx. Uh, you know, it's called Throg's Neck. By, uh, but not by Arthur's Ave. No, Arthur Avenue is, like, the famous Italian area. It's the same kind of area, just in a different part of the Bronx, yeah. you know? Um, and, yeah, I grew up around... You know, wise guys and tough guys. For real? And, oh, yeah, for real. Yeah, yeah. Like mob killers? Absolutely, yeah. I have more, I, I know more murderers than most people that you're going to, most humans, but let alone comedians. Yeah, I got, I grew up with people that are just animals. I mean, I met, like, the first time I really met, uh, uh, I've met two, like, mob, you know, contract killer guys. Yeah. And uh, the second one I met briefly, and he was with the one kid I knew who was not in the mob, but he was a guy. He wasn't all Italian. He was a, he was a contract hitter for, for the yeah. mob at some point. But he came into a club one night. I don't need to mention clubs or anything with a real made guy. Yeah. And there's a sense you get when you look into their eyes. Yeah. It's chilling. Yeah. I mean, what do you make of that? What is that? Oh, I, that's just a, that's that's who they are, man. It's like, uh, in fact, my first shot, my first um at the comic strip in New York. Yeah. I got into the comic strip, not through the booker, not through any way. I got in through a wise guy. A, a guy from my neighborhood knew the owner, Richie Tinkin. Yeah. And got me a spot on the show. So I, you know, the guy that got me the spot also thought it would be fun to come and watch me. Yeah. And he he uh, came along with my brother and a few other guys. And one of the other guys happened to be, a, 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 I would say, a serial killer is the right way to describe him. Not, not a, no, not, no kidding not, around. Not a killer for money. No, no. He was a, well, he killed people for money, but then every once in a while, he would kill people that just deserved to be yelled at. 
If you know what I mean, like one of those guys. It's so fucking scary, dude. Dude, this, I'm telling you, people have no idea. I, I don't really talk about this in my act because it's my life. And it's like, it doesn't seem like it would be interesting or funny. But do you feel but like you're getting in trouble? Oh, yeah. I would never mention anyone's right. name ever. You know, right. nothing like that. That's craziness, you know? But, but this was, okay, so they come to so your they show. They come, and I'm, I'm, on, I'm on deck waiting to go on uh, the stage. And this is my first time at the comic strip. <laughs> yeah. And all of us, and D.F. Sweedler, you probably sure, know, know was hosting. And right. then he brought this other guy up. And I'm standing there watching... And all of a sudden, I just see ice cubes being thrown at the guy. No shit. And yeah, and I look out, and it's sure enough, it's this psychopathic uh, killer from my neighborhood. Yeah. And then Lucian, the uh, the he was the, still alive. The, Lucian, yeah, Hall. Lucian was alive. He he came over with his chest out. Who? How dare they? I said. I said, dude, I don't know. I'm the manager. I go, well, you shouldn't bother that guy. He, he, I swear. He goes, why not? I said, because he'll kill you. And he goes, what do you mean? I go, and that, that just has always struck me. When yeah. someone says, I'm going to kill you, what do you mean? Yeah. He's going to make you not be fucking alive anymore. Point blank. And I, and I wasn't kidding. Like, this guy literally would have killed him. Like, he was, he's that kind of guy. So anyway, I went over to the table, and I said, please, to this guy, I said, yeah. please stop. You're going to get me thrown out. He said, Mike, I'm sorry, bud. Yeah. I was trying to help you out. Like, his yeah. thinking was that if sure. he hits the other guy with ice cubes, I'll be funnier. Yeah, yeah. That's how I grew up. Those are <laughs> one aspect so, of my so friends. So what happened in that set? Um, I ended up going up and did okay. I was awful at comedy. And that's the first time. How did I, they respond, though? Did they bust your balls when you were on stage? My I friends, mean, no, they were cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, what I learned about, it was amazing. My uh, gr- upbringing was, okay, well, like my brother, he just had, he got out of prison. The day after that, he was in the union working at the, the, the Jacob Javits Center what was you know, he making a thousand for? for car theft? He was a, a car ring guy. My bro- dude, we need six of these hours for different no, but your, types so, of life. But, so your brother worked for the mob. My brother was yeah. My yeah. brother's a tough you know. Is he a guy. made guy? No, no. He's no, just a guy who's in. He's, yeah, and if he's he was, I wouldn't tell you. You no. shouldn't be asking these kind no, right. of questions. He's, he, he, he's connected. That's all. My bro- yeah, we and well, they take care of the neighborhood. These guys, they uh, in some sense. I don't know how it works anymore. No, but I mean, your your guy got you in at the strip, and this guy yeah. got you, your brother in the union. But so your your family, I mean, what was your father's racket? My father was good. My father was um, a hardworking guy. Yeah. And he, when I was a kid, he was arrested a couple of times. He he he. I think he started his life out as a criminal when he was younger, and yeah. then just realized, like myself, you know, I I started out as sure. a teenager. I wanted to be a wise guy. I wanted to be a gangster, point blank. I didn't want to work. Were you on the on the path? I was totally on the path. What does that young. mean? That means you you hang, you, you know, well, first of all, the guys I grew up with, when you're tough in the streets as, yeah. a, as an 8, 10, 12-year-old, right. that carries over through your teens, and people respect you. And then the next thing you know, you're in your 20s, and you're the t- one of the toughest guys in the neighborhood, and everybody wants to, you know, get you involved in stuff. I wasn't the toughest guy in the neighborhood, but my brother and his best friend are. Right. So I, I was always around it. I was. They were looking out for you, anyways. Yeah, like they wouldn't let me get involved in anything. But when, because whenever I did, I fucked it up. I was the worst <laughs> criminal. <laughs> the worst. Like I did started doing heroin when I was about fifteen. Is the first time I took. That's heroin. a no-no, right? 
I well, mean, yeah, yeah, that's what. So I tell people, heroin saved my life. Yeah. Like, and they laugh. Like, yeah. I'm dead serious. Yeah. Like, because the heroin got me away from. Oh man, I would do this. I wanted to be a gangster so bad that I would have done anything. And when I got on heroin, it just took me out of that that picture yeah. for a few years. Then I went to rehab and I got clean. And then when I got out of rehab, I was 21. I wanted to get back involved, so I would bust this guy's balls to let me. They, they were they were moving heroin at the time. These guys, so. I said, Look, give me the heroin. I want to, you know, give me some heroin. I'm going to, I got a connection. I had, a, I did have a guy that wanted some. You sell a kilo of heroin, you're a big shot. Anyway, they gave me about uh, probably what amounted to be two grams of, of oh, heroin. Yeah. And so I, I, I said, let me taste it first. Let me yeah. make sure it's good. <laughs> I've been he... clean for five years or so at the time. <laughs> but I'm like, I don't want to give these people bad heroin. So let me just make sure it's good. So I sniffed a couple of them. I used to shoot though. Yeah, yeah. I snorted a couple of hits of it, yeah. and I'm like, this is bullshit until I try to stand up. Yeah. And then I realized how good it was. Yeah. I couldn't. And so I ended up doing all the heroin, and <laughs> that was it. So I had my wise guys looking for heroin, but they couldn't do nothing to me because you it's know, lucky my brother, they didn't give you more. Well, yeah, it might be two grams is not going to get you that big of trouble, right? Oh, no, it was, well, not, uh, two grams is like a sample, but it's worth a couple of grand, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Heroin's expensive, man. Wow, what are those dime bags? That's a tenth of a gram. It's nothing, yeah. Dime bag, this is like, this was no, a sure. lot more than right. that, you know? Right. And it was more pure than shit you're going to oh, buy so in a bag. Oh, so you were going to step on it and give it to the guy? Or well, no, I was going to, I was giving it to this guy as a sample, and right. it, if he liked it, he was going to buy a kilo. Right, right, a kilo. Right, right, right. A couple of hundred thousand mm-hmm. is a kilo. Mm-hmm. So I would have made myself 20 grand you right. know, to, to, to move this shit. I wanted to be a heroin. So my first time out, I ruined the whole fucking thing. But now having a reputation as a guy on dope in that community is not good. No, but they don't trust you with nothing. But when you're when you're so close to people as family, right? It's different. Like because I wasn't a scumbag. I was never a scumbag. No, you never struck me as that. Yeah, I was never a low life kind of guy where I would, you know, I I was a stand up heroin addict kind. Yeah, of, yeah. If you could Well, this imagine. is the thing. The impression I always got about you, like as I got to know you a little more, and and we don't have we're not we're not tight, but we have an understanding with each other. Is that like sort of when I met you in. Uh, where was that first wave of people paying attention for you? Was that in Montreal that I we had the conversation? Aspen, Aspen, in Aspen, Aspen right? Aspen. And you were all excited about James Dixon, and, and you know because he oh was, yeah yeah because he was into you. But like the the thing that he was into me, then I found out he didn't, he never even saw my act. Right, he just wanted to he piece. just got jumped yeah. in on the fucking heat. Well, I think that what was interesting to me about you is that you know you're going to be misunderstood as just as he does that wise guy thing. Yeah. Whereas like I don't like I don't see you as that. I see that yeah. as part of your personality, but underneath that is a lot of sensitivity. Activities, a lot of self-awareness is yeah. a lot of uh you know you, you're not really a tough guy yeah that you know you've got this tough guy exterior because of who you are and what you grew up with yeah. but i think your heart is uh, is pretty uh pretty sweet am i wrong absolutely i'm totally i'm full of love for people were you I ever want... a guy who kicked people's asses you know i i had this, i had maybe 10 fights in my whole life right you know, you got to remember my teenage years. I was nodding out. I was high. So those years don't count. Can't fight. Right. <laughs> I got into fight over the last during comedy. I've been all my fist fights have been during stand up. Always self defense. I'm a good fighter. I know how to fight. I was a great boxer when I was a kid. So I've always done pretty well. If I do get into a fight, I've done well. Yeah. So far. Yeah. So far, I've done well for myself. But I have no desire to fight with anybody. No desire. Now, do you get? Do you feel pigeonholed now that when when people expect you to be this, this wise guy 
that you know you're a little deeper than that and, and you talk about like even talking about dope i mean that's not a wise guy thing no it's not you know i you know mark it's like this i mean you know you want to be understood i think that i'm moving i'm shifting my whole idea of what comedy is and where i want to go with it and and to be honest with you that was a great compliment coming from you because I've always looked at you as a guy that, like, I, I never saw myself as smart or interesting or any of that. I always considered myself the dumb fucking, people have said, he's like Dice. Like, that is so Not far, you. just because of, of an accent That's in right. my voice. Right. You know, he was pretending to be me. I, I'm just me. Right. Like, I don't, you know. Right. And I think what people were trying to push you in that direction, what I've noticed is when you push yourself in that direction, because, you know, the type of stories that you come from and, and, and given the, the recovery element of your life and the, the depth of your self-awareness, it must make you just fucking angry when people expect you to be just a flat-out, dumb, you know, wise yeah, guy comic. Yeah, it, it, it really it is annoying. Um, and, but what I was going to say was that I'm shifting away from what I guess we call it mainstream audiences. I being on NBC on last comic standing has just shown me what we're up against as artists. I was in a, I was in a um, coffee shop a couple weeks ago on the road and this guy, and I was getting my coffee and the guys online, one of them said to the other one in my house, there's two rules. My wife's always right. And number two, if she's ever wrong, see rule number one. And they laughed hysterically. And I said, that's what I'm trying to reach. These fucking idiots are the people that I am trying to make understand and laugh. And then I got to go and work with Eugene Merman because of your show. Yeah. He brought me down to the village, this alternative to Brooklyn, room, Union Hall. The Union Hall. Yeah. And, and I just got up and I started talking about my wife having AIDS and how that's the same as being Catholic because of the shame and the guilt. And you can't protect children from Catholic AIDS yeah. because you can't put a condom on their head and send them yeah. to school. Hey, Jesus died for you. I can't hear you. I have latex on my head. Yeah. I got such a reaction to that. And it just fucking opened up a whole new world to me of comedy where I can talk about what's inside of me. I can hide who I am, okay? First of all, let me just tell you, and I've wanted to say this to, to, I've been wanting to talk about this forever, and I haven't, not because I'm afraid, because I've never found the right place. This is the right place. When I was 21, I found out I'm HIV positive, okay? I was diagnosed with HIV. This is 21. That's uh, 22 years ago, 23 yeah. years ago. And that's what changed my fucking life. That's what just changed every priority. When you know that you got four or five years to live, for real, you change shit. And I, that's what I want to talk about. Now, where were you? I was in uh, New York at the time. I had just gotten... And were you married yet? I, I wasn't. No, I, 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 was, uh, I met my wife at the support group, the AIDS support group okay. that we went to. I used to walk around and, and look at women that were in this particular building, the gay men's health crisis. Yeah. And I go, oh, I hope she has AIDS. So, she, you know, like that's... So I can fuck her. Yeah, so I can fuck Like That's the way it was back then. It was like, please, if she has... A, so I met this beautiful girl, Fran, and... and uh, you know, she she had been a recovering addict as well, and, and she was also positive. And so you got it from like so because when you were fifteen, uh, you, you you cleaned up once, and then you relapsed again. I relapsed after uh, about a year after being diagnosed. Okay, so you yeah. were clean up into that point. Yeah. So that was when you tried to sell the the dope. Yeah, I tried to sell the dope after. Oh, okay. So you knew my, you, you knew you were HIV positive. Exactly, and that's when I said. 
you know what you know what it, the one thing the hiv thing gave me was it gave me that sense of i don't give a fuck i'm not afraid of anything and that's what i was always looking for as a kid i wanted to be a gangster so i could be unafraid so I this is, you saw that as a, this is what that did to you. So you yeah. you could either go either way. You could either be self-destructive more yeah. or you could cherish your life. I can, yeah, I can make, I wanted to, I was on the fence. I lived on the fence most of my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I grew up uh, in my neighborhood and, and, and this is a true story. I was a kid riding my bicycle and I saw these two guys giving a, a cab driver a beating yeah and when i say a beating they were slamming his fucking head in the door of the car yeah they were fucking pulverizing this guy and i remember looking at them going i want to be like them and then i looked down at the guy that was being hit and i felt bad for him i was like this poor guy and then i spent the rest of my life trying to figure out which one am i gonna be yeah because those are the only two fucking paths was he a, was he in uh, uh some from another country or would you no, get no. a sense of it no he was a neighborhood guy definitely oh. yeah it could have been a it could have been something personal oh it, right, it, right. Might not but it didn't been, matter it was that was your yin and yin and yang that, moment exactly that was like that this is what i have to choose from so you found out you're hiv positive you go to the support groups you meet your wife yeah. And then you moved down here? Yeah, we moved to Florida. Uh, Why? Because of the health. Because dying. We, we, we were dying. Ugh. You know, we, yeah. we, we came down here. I was 22. She's a little older than me. She was about 28 or 29. Yeah. And we literally came to Florida like two old people would do, Mark. And that's what my life was at that time. And I, I didn't know how long I would live. I was told from the doctors. Who knew you know, then? Back then, yeah. people got the virus. They died in four or five years. Yeah, you know. So I expected that to now, happen. What kind of treatments were you on at the beginning? No, no treatments. There were no treatments. No AZT yet. No, nothing. They, they had AZT, but but I wasn't like I didn't want to take it. I didn't want to take the AZT. I was like, I'm not taking that shit. You know, um, she took it. She took the AZT. I didn't take it. Um, I wanted to live without any of that toxic shit in me at the time because it was they didn't know what the, they didn't know what they were giving people right so i just didn't want to take it and i didn't and i'm glad i didn't because i don't know anybody that's still alive that took the azt so you come down here you're with her you what you got an apartment by the beach or something yeah we got an apartment uh we had a nice apartment in west palm beach you know i was playing tennis i learned how to play tennis you know, I went from uh, trying to be a, a heroin smuggler to a tennis player. And you're going to meetings? Fun. You're staying straight? Yeah, I was staying straight. I knew that that was the, the key to the whole thing, was staying straight. You know, I can't go using drugs again. That's not going to give me the, the kind of life I'm looking for. Did, where'd you, did you ever <coughs> figure out where you picked it up? No, you know, you think about that, though. When you, when you get diagnosed with some kind of an illness like that, you go, who, which, who fucking gave it to me? I got to find them as if that's going to make it go away. Right. It didn't matter. I, I didn't give a shit. Were you, like, in, in your using, did it get pretty dirty? Were you in shooting galleries or you just had a group of guys? What you was know, that? I went to shooting galleries. Yeah. I shared needles. I fucked hookers. Yeah. I, there was no sense of caring about yourself. Right. You know? Right. There was no sense of uh, love. I, my father beat me half to death as a kid. Hospital beatings, not yeah. like smacked around. For what? I, nothing? Broke my hand. Yeah, no, you know. 
and I know you, you're asking that innocently, but when you think about it, like I was for what? Like there was like there's a reason why you should fucking break your child's hand. You know? Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. No, yeah. no, it's not you. It's a natural question. <laughs> yeah, like what did you do? I, right, right. I asked the, You probably well, asked your whole life you're asking that. What did yeah, I do yeah. to deserve? No, no, but you're no different than me. You yeah. know you deserve to be yeah. beaten half to death too, and you know it. Like it's like we we have this fucked up oh, sense of ourselves. Shit. So, you know. So you come down here and you know and how long before your wife got sick? Uh, you know, she I noticed her getting sick during playing tennis, which is weird. We're playing tennis back and forth and she was she wasn't moving as quick and as she was, I said, What's the matter? And she says, My legs hurt, you know, I'm pains in my legs. So we went to the doctor and, and it was a thing called neuropathy, which meant that, you know, her, her immune system was really low and fucked up. It was causing nerve damage in her body. So that was the beginning of it. And um you know, and it was a beginning of such a, a long and fucking painful deterioration. It was a slow, you know, fucked up time for me, you know, back then. How long did that take? Um, I think she started getting sick. I think it was about a five-year period of of d- slow deterioration. And then, like, these rapid fucked up... Where she had pneumonia, like, 15 times. You know, she was in the hospital and... She was given her last rites a few times, you know, and, and, and survived it and then came back. It was just a brutal, brutal time. And you were her primary caregiver? I was her caregiver. You know, at some point in there, Mark, it clicked in me that that this, that, uh, like, I never thought of leaving her. Like, I never even considered it. I don't, you know, and and I'm today, it's the greatest decision I've made. It's made me... It's the greatest thing I've ever done was care for my wife. You know, I'll never do anything that great again. Fucking HBO specials, whatever you want to give me. Nothing will be better than that because it's it was such a deep reckoning within myself that I am not a piece of shit, you know, that I don't deserve to stick needles in my arm. You know, I, I am a good person. Look yeah. what I'm capable of. I'm yeah. capable of, of deep love and commitment, you yeah. know? Yeah, And, um... You know, I, I just, that was my whole life, was taking care of her. And there were a lot of laughs. Were you, were you there when she died? Yeah, I was there. Well, actually, I was not in the room when she died. Never left her side. That particular night, her mother had been in town the night she died. And her mother wanted to stay with her alone. And I left her there, and I went home, and that's the night that she passed away. So I kind of, you know, it's not a very big deal to me. I know what I did for her and... and having to be there right, right at the sure, last sure. breath. I, I remember that you shared a story once about de- taking the motorcycle ride. Yeah. What, I, what was That's that? on the moth, you know, and it's a, it's a, it's on uh, on the internet. It's called the moth. I'm, no, yeah, yeah, heard yeah, of yeah it. sure. That's where people can hear it if yeah, they're yeah. interested. Because I do love when people hear that story because they, they, you know, and I, I, you may be the same way. I think you are. And I don't know if other comics are, but... Let's say someone comes up to you and says to you, Mark, you know, you did that thing about your dad dying or your aunt dying or yeah. your cousin dying. And it helped me get over my aunt's death, my mother's yeah, death, sure. whatever. Yeah. That can be more meaningful than fucking standing ovation oh, absolutely. anywhere. Absolutely. And a lot of people miss that. The moth gives me that. People come up to me and tell me what it meant to them. The the story it goes, and I'll 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 do it because it's a little bit longer than I'd like, you know. Um during her last days, she was in the hospice. Yeah. I had just gotten a Harley, my first Harley. I saw you drive up time. on one. Yeah, yeah, I rode up on one today. I love motorcycles. And 
you know, she wanted to, well, she came out and saw it and she got upset, you know, like she was angry at me and she went back inside all pissed off. So I'm like, and it, this gay dude that worked there gets a whole nother group of fucking people that without them, I wouldn't be alive. Gay men fucking saved my ass too. Like, How's that? Just through aid, you know, the, all the AIDS organizations, all, all, all run by gays, the hospices, the nurses were all gay guys. Just they, they got some deep, you know, well of love within them. It's yeah. just incredible, you know. And and like my friends, when I'm gonna go to my neighborhood, hey Frank, I have HIV. Was that a cable channel? They yeah. wouldn't even know what the fuck it is, you know. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, that kind of or thing. They, do you think they would have ostracized you even if they did know what it was? Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Well, I got one friend who who's actually a made guy, a yeah. gangster. Yeah. And we're still best with friends since we're children. Yeah, he knows all about it. He's, he would do research for me and call me, Mike, I'm reading about this thing. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> so the stereotype of that world yeah. is also the, the human beings, too. Yeah. Some of them are just violent, you know. Yeah, you yeah, know yeah, that yeah. Is. yeah. But anyway, so, so I learned so much about stuff. And so she goes inside and she was pissed off that I had the motorcycle. So this guy, this gay guy, I forget his name. Let's call him Bill. I, I says... She, I said, why is she so mad at me? He goes, well, she just feels like you're moving on with your life and you don't love her anymore. Like you have this motorcycle. And I, you, and he said, you don't need her anymore. Like that was a strange thing. And I realized how much I did need her. Like I loved her. Like she was my best friend. And so what I did was I went home and I brought some of my work shirts back to the hospice. And I brought them into her, her room and said, where were you working? I was working for the health department. I was an educator, a health educator. Mm -hmm. I'd go out and do condom demonstrations. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's how I started comedy, too. We'll get into that right. after. My, how I realized how funny I was with the most brutal shit. So, um, so uh, I bring these shirts, these work shirts, into her. And she was Sicilian. So I said, Franny, my shirts are a fucking mess. I need you to iron them for me. She got all, fuck you, I'm in a hospice. You know, like what? Yeah, yeah. So I went, I left. I come back 20 minutes later. All the shirts are ironed. Yeah. You know, she got up. And then she's like, where's the motorcycle? Now she's excited about it. I guess, and that guy was right. She just wanted to know that that I still needed her. Like, I loved her. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. people aren't dying. They don't know they're dying. They're, they feel, I'm alive Dying is an event. They pass away at one moment. Up until that moment, they are alive and they want to be loved and they want to give yeah. and share, you know, yeah. in that case. So, so she want, now she wants to see that. I take her out. She wants to sit on it. I put her on it. She wants to start it up. Now, she's wearing fucking a paper dress, you know, essentially. Yeah, 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 yeah. She's got her morphine pole next to her and she's sitting on this Harley and I'm worried about her burning her friggin' leg off. So I'm, I'm, she says... Can, can you just take me for a little ride around the parking lot? I'm like, no, I can't. I'm thinking, get the fuck. You got a drip IV with? Yeah. And then it just hit me. I'm like, no, you have to. Yeah. Like, you're in this moment. <laughs> you have to do this motorcycle ride. Yeah, yeah. You know? And it's dangerous. And what if she falls? And, you know, what if I... One day I'm telling the story. And my wife, she almost died of AIDS, but then I killed her on my Harley. She <laughs> fell off and banged her fucking head. That's yeah. how she... You know, that's a fucked up story. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so... And then that's, that's when I realized, you know, fuck it. Fuck, of course I was, Yeah. So I'm riding around the hospice parking lot. And then my friend comes barreling in this van who's a cripple in a wheelchair, laughing. What are you doing? I said, I'm riding Franny around... Franny's like, can we just go out on the street a little bit? Where's the morphine drip? Is she holding it? She's holding the pole. 
Mark, it was a pole with four <laughs> wheels on the bottom. Yeah. And we're riding around this hospice. You could hear the goddamn wheels changling and banging. Yeah. It was insane. And then I passed the front door, and all these nurses are standing out front, and they're, they're all crying. They're watching us, and they're fucking crying. Yeah. And I didn't know why they were crying. I was like, why are they crying? I didn't get what they were seeing. Yeah. I didn't know, because I was just in it. I was living it. I, I knew my, this, my wife who had suffered the, the suffering that she had been through in her life. She was a prostitute. She was a fucking heroin addict. You know, she was beaten by fucking pimps. And this is her past, you know? Yeah. And, and then she ends up with this AIDS and she's dying. And all she wants is a fucking ride on my motorcycle. You know, what a gift, you know? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. next thing you know, we're on I-95. <laughs> Because women, it's never enough for them. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're on 95. She's got, she unhooks the fucking pole and she's holding the morphine bag over her head. Yeah. With, a, with her gown on that's yeah. flying up in here. So you could see her entire fucking naked, bony body <laughs> yeah. with the morphine bag whipping in the wind. And I'm dry, and we're passing by these guys in their Lamborghinis and shit. And I'm yeah. looking at them like, what the fuck? How do these people, yeah. what are you doing? Yeah, what kind yeah. of life are you living? Look at me. I'm, the, I'm on top of the world here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that was the last thing I did with her, you know? And, you know, I feel so blessed and lucky. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that was, you yeah. can't ask for a better moment yeah, yeah, in yeah. a memory yeah, than that, yeah. you know? So Yeah, it's, it's yeah. heavy, man. Yeah, it's beautiful stuff, you know? And it's it's what we all, you know, w w the biggest things that we're afraid of are really can be the most beautiful if you look, if you look them right in the fucking eye and you don't flinch. Because there's something really beautiful behind it, you know? Mm. Guys like us, you you got a complicated exterior, you know, the anger and stuff. Defensive. I'm very defensive. When I meet people that are defensive, I've learned, what are they defending? There's got to be something good in there that they're defending. <laughs> it's not a pile of dog shit in there, or else they wouldn't be defending it. Yeah, yeah. See people who aren't defensive? Yeah. Because they, they have nothing to defend. They're scumbags. <laughs> they, they think about it. They're like, people are all nice and old. Com beware of someone who's very committal, completely committed. You're afraid of commitment, they say to me. Yeah. And then I tell them about my wife. I go, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm a little afraid of fucking commitment because that means I got to stay until I fucking bury you. <laughs> you see? Because I'm not going to run away from it. Yeah, yeah. I know myself. So mm -hmm. people who are afraid of commitment, they're good people. That means they know what commitment is. Yeah. Do you feel that way about comedy? Yeah, yeah. I think so. I mean, it's in terms of what? Like being like committed? It, yeah. Mark, it saved my life, man. So, After okay, so Franny you... died, you know, my dad, who, who we made amends, me and my father made this beautiful amends that we became really good friends. I, I, I got to tell you this fucking story. This is when Franny's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. So, she, she, and I got to be honest, part of this having AIDS, and I don't have AIDS, but HIV, my wife dying of AIDS, my father, the drugs, part... There's this one part of it that I love that I can look at anybody and say, really? Is that your fucking problem, you little fag? Fuck yeah. you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, do you got herpes, you fucking cunt? Get a real disease, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got hepatitis. Yeah. I hepatitis. Give me your hepatitis. I'll give you what I got, you know? There's something cool about that, yeah, having yeah. the worst fucking yeah, yeah. disease, you know? It's like uh, I'm even bragging about that. I'm in a hospital. I ended up with pneumonia. It had nothing to do with AIDS, HIV. Yeah. I ended up with this double pneumonia. My wife's still alive. She's home, very sick. I'm fucking worried about her laying in the hospital. She decides to get in the car and drive to come visit me, crashes the car on I-95. 
So they tell me, your wife's in the emergency room downstairs of the hospital that I'm in with pneumonia. Yeah. My wife's down there. Yeah. My wife, who's dying of AIDS, is in the hospital from a car wreck that flipped over. Then the phone rings again. My mother tells me, Dad, you got a brain tumor. This is all in a 10-minute fucking period. Yeah. This is a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> this is a bad day. <laughs> so someone says, oh, I'm having a rough day. You tell me about it. Let me fucking hear about your bad day, you fu You know, I love having that in yeah, power. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah, I just yeah, do. Yeah. So what do I do, Mark? I get up out of the bed, and I was so, I was done. I, I was snapped. I took my robe off and turned it backwards so my balls would be hanging out. And I walked myself into the elevator like that to go down to the visit, see what's going on with my wife. I just wanted to show her all my nuts. Yeah. Like, that was how I decided to deal with yeah, all yeah, that yeah. pain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck you. Here my balls. Something. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad, um, my father died about uh, eight months after my wife. Yeah. And I was still working for the health department. I was doing the education. And Is that a volunteer job? Or no, no, I was being paid. I was a health educator. I would do HIV prevention. But no, I didn't, nobody you did knew. did that as a service? Though? I mean, no, no, it was my job. I got paid. Yeah, no, but I mean, what, what led you to that? You felt you had to give something back? Or... Uh, you know, I, I, yeah. Just like I'm talking now, this, um, I'm a good looking fucking, you know, I mean, I'm getting older, but I'm a young, heterosexual, good looking guy, whatever. I don't have to tell anybody about my HIV. But you know what? If I don't, who's gonna? Yeah. If I don't talk about it, who's gonna talk about it? You know, I don't know why I did it. I don't know why. But I you just, would go out as somebody with HIV? I, uh, not all the time. Most right. of the time, I would just be out there as a representative uh -huh. of the health department. Right. And I would do HIV prevention. And this is how I realized that I was funny and that I can be funny with the truth. I'm telling people about, here's how you can't get AIDS. And it was important for me, people realize how you can't get it so that they wouldn't be discriminating against people who had it because yeah. of my experience. So the people would raise their hand and say, well, can you get AIDS from a dentist? And I would say, yeah, if he fucks you in the ass without a condom. Like, right, that yeah, would be yeah. my reaction. And yeah. I'm not, you're not supposed to say that. You're These a kid? These are uh, middle, yeah, yeah, kids and adults, whatever. Yeah. Most of the kids were cool. It was the adults that were idiots, yeah. you know? Yeah. This one lady says, what about a bloody doorknob? What about a bloody... Could you get AIDS from... But yeah, if you jam it up your ass, the doorknob. Like, I, that's how I would react. Right, right. And that's when I knew I could... Wow, I could be funny. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Everyone would laugh except for the person who asked the question. Sure. So... They'd write a shitty letter about you. Oh, forget it. The letter writers are the best. Only white people write letters. You've noticed, right? I've I you ever get a black person write a letter to you? Yeah. Yo, Mog, man, she was fucked up. You hurt my feelings. Don't worry. Yeah. It's always some white fucking cunt. I'm sick of being white. No, that was ridiculous. Let me not say that. But anyway... So that's how you learned how to be funny? I think that's where I realized I could be funny to a large group of people. Yeah. And, you know. So, uh... Your, your father. Yeah. My dad, yeah, my dad died not long after my wife, so it was a bad time. And I wanted to, um... I really wanted to end my life at that point, to be totally honest with you. Yeah. Um, I wasn't angry, I wasn't... I just decided to kill myself. I, I made the... I remember... So you didn't I'm, see it on the other way out. You weren't sure when you were going to yeah, do it or how you were no, going to do I it. No, I knew I was going to do it after my father's funeral. I'm going to pack it in. Drugs, of course. I shoot You were myself. just going to go D. Heroin, yes. yes. These people shoot themselves, jump off buildings. Are you out of your fucking mind? Take a five, six, ten Oxycontins, you're done. Yeah. Nice and easy. Yeah. So... 
So you had a plan. Plan, yeah. I'm going to go home, do my dad's funeral, and then I'm going to pack it in. And it was a sense of relief that I had finally that I made the decision. I had went to uh, I went to a Buddhist temple during my wife's when she was alive. Fuck, do I go there for? And they say you want to meet the Lama. So I thought they had an animal. I had no idea what a llama was. Yeah. I thought there was a friggin' animal in the yeah. backyard. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting to go see one of the a llama. Yeah. This little old Tibetan man sitting in a room. They go and they said, kneel down in front of him. I kneeled down. He put his hands out. He took my hands in his, put his forehead against mine and said, blah, blah, blah. You know, some Tibetan yeah. stuff. And I remember this feeling. I got, wow, it felt really nice to be around this person. That was it. Left. The night that my father died, I got on the plane, sat down in my seat, and that's when I was saying, okay, I'm done, packing it in. Yeah. Got up to go take a piss. That little Tibetan monk was sitting in the back of the plane. Swear to God. <laughs> Put his hand. I was fucking pissed. I was pissed. I was like, fuck you. No. And I, I, I still had believed in God at that point, like that there was a being up there, and I was like, fuck this you, This was God. a plan. He put yeah, that yeah, guy fuck there. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Fuck you. Oh, oh, you want to keep me alive so I could have more pain, you fucking prick? Cause this, but that's how you read it. That that was a sign. That a was sign, yeah, a sign that okay, you can't kill yourself. Yeah, and it pissed me off. Yeah, but then you know, I look back now and I'm I'm glad that the man was there. And he put his hands up just like he did when he met me, like as if he, he re- was he there. He remembered you. Well, no, well, I don't know. He looked at me and put his hands out just like he did when I met him. Yeah, and I took his hands and put my forehead against his, like, like on the plane, on the plane, on the plane, and that was it. And I went buried my father. Went back to South Florida and did my first open mic about two weeks later. Instead of suicide. Yeah, instead of killing myself, <laughs> I became a stand-up. Uh, that's a, I think that's the way a lot of us start. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think my story is very <laughs> common. And that's how I started, you know. So when I met you, I was just into it. And, and the intensity and the anger was probably fear and anxiety, but... I wanted to be a great comic. Like, I wanted to be good at it. I, I want to be good and original. And that comic strip thing I told you about, I told the owner, I said, thank you for allowing me to come here, but I'm not coming back until I'm good enough. And I'm only playing here when Lucian approves me. Not that I believed Lucian was anything special, but that was, the, that was the right way to do right. it. And, that was, and so it, it wasn't a construction job. It wasn't like, hey, right. put my son on the show. I knew it was an art that I wanted to be good at. And the only way I'm going to get good at is not through nepotism or through some wise guy muscling me in. I'm going to get good at it by getting stage time. And I found the shittiest fucking club I could in New York, Hot Comedy Club. Yeah. And I went up there five to seven times a night, a fucking night. Because they kept bringing people in. They had seven or eight shows there a night. Yeah. And I would be on every single one of them for two years straight. And then in 07, I got picked to go to Aspen and it has, it's, it's spiraled to where I am now, which is, I don't know, but it's fun, you know. Well, no, I mean, it, it's interesting how, you, how how it came about because you, you weren't the guy that, that necessarily, you know, was doing the road and worked in the middle, you know, like, you Never know, it came it. or hosted and went up through the road. Yeah. You didn't come up through the alternative rooms. You just sort of disappeared. You did the work in the worst clubs for no money, yes. really. Never asked, a, never fucking asked how much are you paying me. I, I hate when comics do that, new comics. Yeah. I'll, I'll call a new guy and say, hey, you want to do a show? Yeah. Yeah, how much does it pay? Uh, it pays fucking zero. And then I hang up on him and find someone that don't ask how much it pays. Yeah. We do this for free. And we'll, to learn we how to pay. do it. Of course. Now, when you, okay, so that means you get you get the call for Aspen. What do you got, about 15, 20 minutes? 
Um, at that time, I was time, there with you. I was on the yeah, show with you. I think. Um, well, we did the moth together. That's when you told that story. I told the story about my wife dying, yeah. and you had a story about your me, wife pissed you off with the cookies. Yeah, and she or, threw me out of the house. She threw you out of some yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you didn't want to follow my story. You were like, "God damn it!" And I, I want, <laughs> I wanted to say, "Mark, I'm sorry, my wife's died, and yours is still alive." You know, <laughs> you're even competitive with death. You fucking nut. It was just no, a matter of. Fo- That's all right. Kidding, I can yeah, take it. I'm busting your balls. Yeah, it's just like you know, you took them deep, and I'm. Gonna yeah. be, I'm going to be whining yeah. about my wife yeah. going at me. I had to spend the night in a hotel. It's the end of the world. Oh, God, that's great. That story was horrible. That was the end of my marriage, that story. Right. So your oh. wife died. My wife left me for good after yes. I told that story. See? That was See? The night after that story, Mike, I, let, I went to bed with her, and I t- asked her 10 or 12 times, can I do it? She goes, yeah, 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 yeah. I tell the story. I get off stage. She goes, how the fuck could you tell that story oh, in front of everybody? Right. And that night I had a dream that I was alone, and sure enough, that was the night where she stopped fucking loving me. Right. Okay. So that died. But yeah. it, it's not comparable. No, but, no, yeah. it is. You got it worse than me. Your wife chose not to be with you anymore. Yeah, Mine didn't. Yeah. Mine, she died. <laughs> All right. My wife's dead. Right. That's actually better. But you still got HIV, so you're ahead. Oh, jeez. You're yeah. a Jew. All you're right. a fucking Jew. All right. All right. Would you rather have? Would you you're, rather you're be a, a Catholic Jew? with yeah. HIV? Let me tell you something. I'll take <laughs> HIV over oh, being oh, a Jew oh, any fucking oh, day. Oh, I don't even know how to take a that. A black or a Jew. Oh, I don't I'm even kidding. know how to I'm take kidding. I'm joking. Come on. It's comedy. But now, okay, so before we get to the last Oh, by the way, I don't have... I've never taken a pill. I have no viral activity. Yeah, yeah. I've been... They diagnosed me 22 years ago. Uh, with with the HIV antibodies, but they I have no virus. So they in take me. in your fucking blood to make they, a vaccine or what? They take my blood every year or two, and they they uh, are looking for why I'm so healthy. Yeah, and it's not just me. There's a, a, you know a small small percentage of people who are like me. And what have they figured out? They they don't know. It, it, they're thinking it's genetics. It's a, a different strain of the actual virus. Mm-hmm. Perhaps it's it's complicated stuff. But all I know is, uh, you know, I'm my health is perfect. I'll probably never die from the virus. Right. That's, that's pretty much where I'm at at this point. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. It's a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, you know. Good for you. Yeah. But the the amazing thing about you and Faith, in in, in light of all this, and in discussing this with me and what you've been through, is that what what I'm impressed with, and I think is is a, a great thing. This, you know, despite what anyone might think of you, the the amount you give back to the community is is incredible. I mean, we're here at at a at a at a, at a recovery uh, housing community yeah. for people who are you know getting off drugs, getting off booze, you know, in between you know the bad life and the good life, you know, trying to stay sober. And you had connections here. You're affiliated with the with the recovery community here, and and you're going to do a show this afternoon. At another facility for for uh, for people in recovery, and you do that frequently. Yeah, and and it's part of your your fucking uh, your heart and your gift is that you feel the need to give back. Yeah, Mark, when you when you give is is the only time you can see that you have anything. You don't know you have until you're giving it to people. What's the joy in taking? Like what? I can't even imagine what that would be like. And it's not that I'm trying to be a virtuous or a good person. Right. It works for me. Yeah. Helping people works. Yeah. It makes you feel better. If you're looking for happiness, go help somebody. I promise you it'll work. I mean, that's why I do it. I don't do it to, to be a good person. I do it because it makes me fucking happy. You know, and I have something to give. And I have a, a lot inside of me. My life is, is very improbable. Me being alive right now is a very, very improbable thing. 
you know, based on the drugs, the crime, the the people I was around. I was in. I was five minutes from from murders that happened. I was on my way there, and if I if I would have made the the wrong turn, you know what I mean? Yeah. I've been there. Yeah. I've been through a lot of shit, and you know, so of course I give to people. I'm I'm happy to be alive. So and you still have relationships with the old friends. You still know yeah, killers. And totally, they, totally. I'm the guy that I don't have to act like a tough guy, but I can go eat dinner at Rayo's whenever the fuck I want. Yeah, but I don't have the burden of going around acting like a big shit. I don't and, none of that. And you don't owe anybody anything. I don't owe anybody anything. All my friends know what I'm about. They love me the way I am. You know, it's all it's pretty good. Now I let's talk about the life. last comic standing experience. Yeah. Now how did how did that come about? That was worse than than being diagnosed with the virus. I mean that. <laughs> you remember when I told you my wife died of AIDS? Yeah, yeah. being on that show was was just as painful. Um, oh, no, um, yeah. it, you know, God. I mean, I'm. You know, can you can you really be grateful to somebody and hate them at the same time? Like, yeah, sure. you know what I mean? That's oh, yeah. how I feel about the show. Like every I really, relationship I've ever had. It's exactly. Like you know, it's like <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. Like, I, first of all, I went into it not expecting to even get past the first round of it i i i took i decided to do the audition at like five minutes before i got it was such a struggle in my head because the show is such garbage the idea of com- com- competitive yeah competitive comedy is just ridiculous yeah. uh i had no respect for the show never yeah. liked it but i did it anyway you know i went and did it and you know it just snowballed and I got to a point where I thought, holy shit, I might actually be able to win and I might be able to get a couple of hundred grand and yeah. I, you know, I need it. I'm sure. not, you know, and so it's a, it was a great experience and at the same time, not a great experience. And now I'm out on tour with people who have no idea what I'm about and I want to talk about, you know, stuff that is, is real to me. I, I don't like when people say, I, I tell the truth. I tell my truth the right. best I can. That's right, that's Jim right. Jim Gaffigan tells his truth. Sure. You know, these guys that don't do what I do, you know, guys, we're similar. Yeah. We, we look no, for dark, yeah. we look for humor in darkness. And some of these guys, and that's who everyone is. So I can respect across the board what people do as long as they're being true to themselves, right. you know? Yeah. And these people come out to these shows, they are looking for... You know, I don't know what they're looking for, but it's not me. Every night's a, a struggle. So, but are you, you're making a little money. Yeah, I'm making a little money, and you know, I got um, uh, just making some money. Really, I think that's now, the best now, thing. How, how do you see the uh, now the evolution? Because I understand the frustration. You know, because I, you know, I'm back in in regular comedy clubs. I, I've got people that come see me, but there's still a lot of people that don't. But there's half of me that. You know, I want to be able to entertain those people because I, I believe that's part of our job. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but, you know, there's another part of me that's like, well, if they're all my people, they're going to know everything anyways. And I don't know how to handle that amount of love either. Right. So I think the real trick for people like you and I is that the challenge is, is to tell this truth that you want to. You're understanding the limitations of audiences in terms of receiving what you do. But also there's also the challenge of, of making them understand. Right. And, and, and bringing them around. Yeah. And there's a way to do that. Am, you I, know, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're totally right. And you, you bring up a good point as to what I've been going through. It's... It just it's it's that it, you put in a lot of effort to get into people who aren't with you. We feel like you and you're right. You should. It, it's it. Yeah. One night you feel like, all right, I got to, you know, like, OK, I think that a, it takes a lot of cr- um, creativity to put 
ideas about death and about sickness into comedy, it takes a lot of creativity. To get it into an audience that has no experience with it. You know, most they, Americans yeah, right. are sure, they're hiding. they're just coming for comedy. Dude, they're hiding. But don't you find when you make judgments even like that, that there's an assumption yeah. that everybody's in denial and that everybody's fucked up, they just don't know they're fucked up, yeah. that that in and of itself is, is, is sort of, it's a way to interpret your own insecurities. It I, I think be. I, I, yeah, it's confusing when you because when you, I do that too. But you know, but like I used to, you know, I insisted that everybody had to be as dark as me. Yeah. They just weren't letting themselves. I, I was. I agree with you on that too. Here's what I'll say, and I think you know, I think that our our job is to create laughter. But my deeper job, Mark, is to like why I'm talking to you today about all of this stuff that really is very private and very. You know, I'm afraid. I'm worried now. Uh, you know, some asshole that heard this is going to get mad at me for something. So I hope he dies of AIDS. Like that'll happen. Like you know, on the internet, people do that. Sure. So that's a risk you take when you open up your heart and and say what's going on. So my, but this is part of my job as a human being today, not a comic than anybody else, is to let people out there know that they're not alone. That's that right. I feel the same way. We feel that's such right. deep fucking because pain. That, because I think that's what's missing in the dialogue, that as we get further away from each other, technology, judgment, oh. isolation, whatever, yeah. that the actual human experience is 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 rare. Yeah. And, and I think that we're all built to handle and accept this stuff, and it enriches our lives. With that yeah. feeling of, of listening to somebody else's pain, for most people, it, the first reaction most people have is like, oh, well, yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know yeah. too much information yeah and but the truth of the matter is we're equipped not only are we yeah. equipped but our hearts the only way they can grow is by being present for somebody else's pain right like Absolute, you were saying totally and a- absolutely taking me a long time to learn yeah that. now that obviously is not everyone's ex- uh idea of a night out Right. So, so I think the experience that you were talking about having at Eugene's room is that there are audiences, there are audiences for this. Yeah. But the problem with people like me and you, despite our, our past with drugs or whatever, is that we grew up in fucking shithole comedy clubs and there's part of us that thinks that we got to win there. Right. Yeah, there you go. There you go. I got to conquer the mainstream room. Or just a comedy club. Yeah, this is part no. of my job is to yeah. fight this fight. And I tell you, I go out and sometimes I get problems yeah. in the room and I don't. I handle it very diplomatically now because yeah. I understand that, look, I, I'm certainly not for everybody. If there's any indication uh, you know, or any anything I've learned from my career is that you can't be for everybody and there's no way I'm going to be. Right. So if someone doesn't like me, and, I, and Stuart Lee, a British comic, told me about this too, I actually sometimes feel bad for them. I'm like, yeah, I'm just not what you expect. Yeah. And and you know I and I'm sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, you, you know you go to another night, maybe you get what you want. Yeah. So I've tried to sort of be open to that and and be diplomatic with yeah. these people, but some people just aren't going to find us funny no matter what. Exactly. But I think the type of truth that you you're purveying and and what you want to share with people is genuine and real. And and the trick is you know how do we grow along those lines. And, and not have to keep our guard up because we're trained in comedy clubs and, and we're trained right. to, to you know, judge people. Right. It's, it's a tricky thing and we, we have to do it. And, you know, Mark, at the, at the end of it all, if I believe that I have something that is right to say, then I need to be comfortable with that and just say it and not say it with the anger of, hey, you motherfuckers. If I really believe that they are lost and don't understand, then I should have compassion for them, not anger. If I really believe that, if I be, like like a Christian, if you really believe I'm going to hell for whatever I did, then yeah. why are you so angry at me? Yeah, the anger denotes that you're not sure. 
But I also, yeah, but I also think that like some of the things we want to share are not inherently funny. And is there yeah. a way to make them funny? But doesn't mean they're not you know full of heart yeah. and and full of impact, right? And 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 bring uh, you know a great feeling. It's it's something as you move into a more theatrical. A yeah, mode. one man shows that yeah, you've you, done several. You did of those. one too. Right? I did one a couple of years ago. It was just too goddamn painful. Right. I mean, for me, I'm I'm redoing it soon again, and I'm gonna I'm gonna not lighten it up, but I'm gonna. I think I'm different now. Like well, that, today, that changed. That's I think that I've changed. It. Sure, I've changed. The more so, distance you get from something. Yes, I have distance from it, and I realize the goal. I want to tell people my wife died of AIDS, but I want to tell them it so that they go okay. Um, that guy lost something very deeply. His wife suffered very deeply. I have lost something very deeply. My, I'm going to suffer down the road. We're all together in this thing. That's the yeah. goal of it. Right. As a po- you know, it's just a difficult thing. But w- I wish I would. I wish I would. I crave just wanting to have a mediocrity life. Sometimes, like I wish <laughs> I could aspire yeah. to be just. Bait, you know why? Why? Like, how many times you've wanted to? Why? I'm not. I don't want this blessing of seeing things. I fuck you. Yes. You know, yeah. shut it Turn off. Turn it off. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah take yeah, it yeah, back. Yeah. I don't want this gift. Yeah. You know, it's Thank like you. a weird thing. My I, girl says, "Why can't you just be?" Yeah. I'm like, no. Who the fuck knows exactly. How to do that? that is, you are just being. Yeah. This, this is, is how is I am. Mark Maron. He's a fucking. <laughs> he's sir. You're looking yeah. for shit. Yeah. But you've changed a whole lot. I think. Over yeah. Your life will humble you. You seem very sweet. Yeah. Calm down, and that's good. You know, it's good. And God, you know, I just I want to make people laugh, but I want people to know that they're not alone with suffering, and that they, they they can survive anything. Yeah. Like I believe that I've I've been to the point um, the where where there is the worst part of life. Like I've been oh, no, to it. No I really feel no that doubt. I've been there. No doubt. At that moment of. When you're told you're gonna die, yeah, I didn't even fucking live yet, and you tell me I'm gonna die. I just got off drugs, oh, man. Yeah. I'm 20 years old. Yeah. I'm gonna die, you know. Not only are you gonna die, you're gonna be shamed, and you have this ugly fucking disease that the fags and getting the drug addicts get, and they, all those st- the stigma that was with it. I know what it feels like to suffer. Yeah, you know, and that's an, and I love when a, when a a black dude or a gay gay you don't know what it's like, motherfucker. I do know what it's like. I, I know I'm not black. I know I'm not being... I know, here's what my pain is. Isn't it the same? Yeah. You know? And your pain's the same as mine. Like, you can yeah. relate to me. Yeah. It's not like you can't relate to me. Yeah. Because I'm talking about a, a certain type of disease. You, yeah, we yeah. all relate. The menu of suffering is very small when it, it comes is. just down to the, the, the frequency of suffering. It's, like, yeah, they, it's yeah. like a, it's a, it's a frequency that runs all through human life because of our self-awareness. Yeah. You know, but, you know, but judging someone suffering is less or more. No. I mean, well, you, there is something to that. Yeah. You know, there's certain people that, that, you know, sort of uh, celebrate self-pity over bullshit. And I yeah. think you address that. But, it, you know, to do that without empathy is, is, is yeah. morally reprehensible. Yeah. You I know, think so. To put your problems above other people's when yeah. they're really not that big a problem. Yeah. That's very selfish. But I, I think that everybody gets humbled eventually. And, and, and I certainly, you know, appreciate what you're doing. And this is very uh, moving for me. Yeah. No, I wanted to do it with you. I'll be honest with you. I, you know, I, I thought about where would I want to talk about this? And, and honestly, it was you. Yeah. Because I see you as the kind of dude that's going to get this shit. And you're yeah. not... 
you get it. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. You're, oh, fuck. There's a hundred other guys that would be trying to crack jokes about yeah, shit yeah, yeah, like yeah. a fucking child. Yeah. You know. Yeah. This isn't about that. Yeah. And and and, it's, and we're comics, and I think this is. We had enough laughs today for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Based on yeah. And you're, you're whoever's listening to this, fuck you. This is what you get. Like with the shit, the, the topics that Mark and I just covered in the last hour. If you got one giggle out of it, you motherfucker, it's more than than you would have got on your own with this shit. You know? Yeah. It's we like got, you got enough laughs. We got enough laughs here today. I think so. You know, based on what we talked about, I death so. and the, you know. Oh yeah, I feel great. I'm, yeah. I'm glad you're healthy and thanks for doing this. Yeah, thank you, brother. Okay, man. All right. Well, that's it, folks. That's our show. I, I hope uh, that you enjoyed that and got something out of it and were moved by it. Uh, and you know, you, how, how do you how do you outro a show like that? It was great talking to Mike. I'm glad he's doing well. As always, go to wtfpod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get on the email list. Get yourself one of the new American Apparel t-shirts with the cats and the me screaming on it. Get some JustCoffee.coop. Also, go to uh, PunchlineMagazine.com for all your up-to-date comedy needs. The top 10 list of the top 10 comedy CDs is out, uh, so check that out. And if you can find it in your heart, kick in a donation. As we said at the beginning of the show, $250 Super Premium gets you one of each t-shirt, three of my CDs, the very special, exclusive Best of WTF Volume 1 CD, some stickers, a postcard, uh, access to all the premium apps, and also there's the iPhone option. If you get the WTF iPhone app, you also get access to the newest premium. And go to WTF Pod Shop and pick up that new premium, the Eugene Merman one. Exceptionally funny. Thanks for listening. I hope you liked it. I've got to go do Union Hall. This is this should be up the day that I'm doing it. Hope I'm not sick, but I'm not. I'm 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 better off than some people. But that's the wrong way of saying it. I'm not as bad off. I should be grateful. I fuck. All right. I'll talk to you later. <laughs>